This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm David Rothkopf, your host, coming to you from Washington, D.C., uh, and we are very pleased to have a friend of ours with us today, Mary Trump, who you know as an author of best-selling books, a host of great podcasts, and now, as I understand it, and I'll get to this in a minute, uh, part-time romance novelist. I, I don't really quite understand that, but I'm 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 op- very open-minded. Uh, hi, Mary. How are you? Hey, David. It's really good to see you in your new digs. New digs. Well, it's just you know, it's about, you know, my wife's working in Washington, so I will too for a while. Um, uh, so let's get to this this thing. You guys are 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 writing a romance novel. I just, I you know, I we can get to serious politics in a second, but what's that about? Yeah, let's get this out of the way first, yeah, right. shall we? Um, honestly, the the really short version is that a, a bunch of us became friends uh, via Zoom during COVID. And somebody came up with this idea of, of writing a Hallmark movie together because they're particularly fond of Hallmark movies. And it was just a way for us to sort of be creative and get through the second, third, and fourth lockdowns. And I was like, I've never seen a Hallmark movie and I never want to, but I'm happy to write write one. And um, it ended up not working out. And then I thought I, I was having serious writer's block. And I thought, you know what, let's write a romance novel instead and we'll serialize it on Substack. Uh, and I, I've never read a romance novel either, <laughs> but I've been writing fiction since I was 12. So it's totally in my wheelhouse. And to be fair, I'm not entirely sure it can be categorized as a romance novel, although there's romantic stuff in it. Um, but it's ended up, it's me, E. Jean Carroll, Jen Taub, and it's just really fun, honestly. It's a break from the stuff you and I have to deal with 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, you guys are all very smart and you're all talented writers and you're also, you know, funny. So, I mean, is there, is there any humor in this at all? I mean, is Yeah. Yeah. It's look, it's, it's fun. It's in Tuscany. How bad can that be? Um, there's a cow, uh, <laughs> there's food, there's knitting, uh, there's intrigue, mystery, and, you know, a little romance. So it's, we sort of, uh, Hitting all the high notes, and and because because I've never read a romance novel, I'm constantly driving E. Jean uh, Carroll crazy because um, I'm breaking the conventions because I don't know what they are. <laughs> so that's fun too. Yeah, well, this is the first one I've heard of that has knitting as a component. But uh, you know, there are knitting. My wife is a knitting fan. There are people out there who are knitting fans. Uh, well, that it's a thing. It's a thing. Very serious. Very serious. Very serious. Um, uh, thing, but uh, um, well, that's you know that sounds like an interesting way to occupy yourselves, and certainly uh, all uh, three of you have been closely involved one way or another with uh, uh, the the events of America's un, you know unending trauma. Uh, but you have been uh, you know quite an illuminating commentator um, on. Uh, 
the uh, mental outlook of your uh, relative. And uh, I'm just wondering what you think that may be now. I've been looking at a bunch of tweets this morning. And, uh, you know, I would say, based on what I saw, and you're the trained psychologist, I'm not, but uh, that he's losing it. But then again, I would also say he never had it. So, you know, what, what do you think? Well, David, I think you also, you and I and many other people would have made the same assessment at times two years ago, four years ago, what have you. Um, I, I think the misogyny and the racism and the anti-immigrant hatred, et cetera, et cetera, has always been there. But we've increasingly seen this inability uh, to have any kind of impulse control um, and obviously, he's never been able to tell the truth. But I don't know. I, I I think it's very difficult to say he's worse because we've seen many early morning all caps tweets throughout the years. And the other reason it's difficult is because even though we know this is a man with serious psychological disorders, and we know that most we can make the uh assumption that they're untreated, uh, that therefore they're getting worse, just as any illness gets worse over time if left untreated. However, is he decompensating? That's the part that's hard to say, because this is a man who's lived his entire life institutionalized. He's never had to live in the real world. He's never had to do anything for himself. He's never had to worry about money or he, you know, pick out his clothes or anything, uh, make his own meals or clean his own house. So he's protected by that circumstance as well. So it all sort of, uh, you know, that institution institutionalization sort of serves as a prophylactic against the worse for him. Um, and there's also, he has the benefit of not really being able to grap grapple with the seriousness of the trouble he's in because he's never had to before. Like this is literally the first time in almost eight decades that the man has been facing any real consequences. And what are those consequences? Yes, he's gotten indicted, but he left a free man. Uh, he still has his passport and all that other stuff. Uh, so he's still allowed to do the same things he's been doing. Um, despite the fact that you, I, or anybody else would be in prison right now. Yeah, well, there's that. I mean, I, I, you, you kind of sent me off on a, a tangent there a moment ago when you said he's never had to worry about money because I was thinking if I never had to worry about money, I don't know what I would do with my time. That's really what I think about most at the time. But um, Yeah, that's what it's true for most people. Right. Yeah, you just said, you know, how am I getting on? But, um, but you know, it just, it's, it seems to me, and you and I talked about this many, many moons ago, but it seems to me that the walls are closing in and that there, you know, like yesterday he received, or his lawyers received, and I assume he has seen, um, the first batch of discovery items from the federal prosecutor in the Mar-a-Lago case. 
he now knows who's going to testify against him. He knows, you know, what they have recordings of. Um, he sees that the case is a strong one, um, uh, presumably. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting to speculate whether he's, the penny has dropped that he's in deep shit or it's about to drop. But the kind of person you just described is completely ill, ill, ill prepared for that moment. How do they, how do they handle it? He, he, he's not handling it. Um, you know, when you are somebody who, uh, has the kinds of grievances he has, um, and is so privileged at the same time when you have this ability and he does have this ability to find sycophants to surround yourself with, to find people who will always tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. It becomes very easy to tune everything else out. Anything that contradicts his idea of who he is in the world or how his life should be. Now, I'm not saying things don't seep through because as you just mentioned, the walls are closing in on every conceivable side. It's not, there are no gaps here at all. There's no tiny space for him to escape through. Um, so I think what, what serves him in the short term, though, is his, again, inability to comprehend that he could be in any kind of trouble that could wind him up in prison, for example. Um, but the idea which would strike fear in anybody, right? He can't feel fear. He can't, he can't allow himself to feel fear. He can't allow himself to feel humiliation. So he has to cover all that stuff over with rage. And I think that's what we see. Uh, with all caps, and you know, when you're ang when you uh, come across as angry, it makes a lot of people feel like you're fighting, right? You're being combative, and you're standing up for yourself. But this continues to be a frightened little boy, whose uh, greatest fear is again to be humiliated. And I don't know about you; I've never been indicted myself, but to be hauled in front of a judge, me entirely at the court's mercy, must be a very humiliating experience. So he's overcompensating, but it's only going to last for so long because, uh, as you say, one he now he now knows who in his mind has betrayed him. So that list just got longer. He knows George is coming. He knows Tish James is coming. He knows that there may be January 6th charges. He knows that there may be more documents-related charges brought in New Jersey, uh, which would be a much worse venue for him. So I think there's, uh, I think it's safe to say that it's going to get harder and harder and harder for him to play it off. There are only so many times holding a rally is going to help you change the subject in your own head. Yeah. Well, he's also going to spend a lot of his time in court. I mean, you've got a New York case. You've got this federal case. You're likely to have a Georgia case. You're likely to have another federal case. You might have two more federal cases. As you said, there was a Guardian report that's, you know, uh, focused on the fact that the feds are increasingly or have 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 uh, a sense that documents made their way to Bedminster. Um, which is is kind of a 
interesting challenge. We don't know what all, all these cases will trigger because, first of all, he's likely to do something crazy and and get held in contempt or something like that. Michigan, other states might bring electoral fraud cases. Uh, there's still Tish James out there. Um, seems like he hardly has time to do anything but court cases. Yeah, well, that is that is a really important point. He didn't have to show up for the civil trial. Um, he does not have a choice in these much more serious trials that he's a, he's going to be facing um, actually and potentially. Um, although you know, Judge Eileen Cannon is a bit of a wild card, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah, he's he's going to be very busy being a defendant, um, being deposed and um, doing his level best to pretend none of it's happening or that none of it's serious or what have you. Um, I, I wish him luck with that, by which I mean I wish him no luck at all. How do you think, I, 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 you have already described that you're writing a romance novel with E. Jean Carroll, and so she's a friend. Um, and I'm not asking you to represent yourself as an unbiased observer. Uh, but how do you think that trial was was likely felt by him uh well I, he didn't there's a reason he didn't show up and it's because he's a coward uh, he does not like being faced down by women who are much stronger than he is and uh he also you know it's hard to say i i think it's hard to say because that's the kind of case, and this is a, a, a massive indictment against a, a significant minority of Americans that will increase his street cred with people, or should we say, his being found liable will be will increase his street cred. His refusing to show up and showing contempt, not just for his accuser but for the entire process, will increase his street cred with people. Um, on the other hand, he doesn't like to lose, which is weird. You think he'd be used to it by now. And he certainly doesn't like to have to hand over money. The problem we run up against time and time again is that he doesn't have to yet. And is he even, he's not even paying his own legal bill. So I don't, I don't know that he can, he feels this thing of that either. Uh, and he's probably moved on from it because these other things are happening. Um, but unless and until there's a mechanism and we're going to see how this plays out in Carol v. Trump too, unless there's a mechanism to get him to stop uh, defaming E. Jean Carroll or to get him to stop incriminating himself. It's just going to get worse. Um, so it is amazing to me that there's literally nobody on the planet either able or willing to get him to stop. I, I now refer to Donald Trump as Eugene Carroll's personal ATM. Hi, let's take a moment for a word from a valued sponsor. When it comes to privacy, people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and browsing history, uh, but protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details, such as financial and health information or login credentials that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. That's how I want to tell you about Startmail, all one word, the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. 
StartMail benefits include a secure, ad-free communication experience, 20 gigabytes of email storage, unlimited aliases for spam protection, and world-class encryption for confidentiality, even when the recipient does not use encryption. Plus, when you delete an email, it's gone forever. And StartMail, based in the Netherlands, is GDPR compliant, ensuring your personal data is protected. Switching to StartMail is hassle-free and includes an easy migration tool for Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and other providers. Deep State Radio listeners can take advantage of this special offer from StartMail. Visit startmail.com slash deepstate and receive 50% off your subscription for the first year. That's startmail.com slash deepstate. Well, of course, he probably thinks if I stall for seven years, I won't even be here. And, you know, yep. my son will have to pay it. Um, but, you know, just listening to it, it does strike me that the psychological profile of this guy is different from ours in, you know, myriad ways, which you have discussed the past. We all know about. But one of them is, I, I think I read this week that he's had 3,000 lawsuits in his life. He's always got multiple lawsuits. He views being involved in lawsuits the way some of us view having breakfast. It's just part of life. And he has not been held to account. And when he is, he uses it to his advantage. Oh, I owe you money? Well, I'll pay you in seven years after all the lawsuits if you don't bankrupt yourself, Uh, which is how the rich, by the way, use the legal system. Um, they, they, you know, and they view their bad behavior as a cost of doing business. You know, if he, you know, has to pay E. Jean Carroll a few million bucks someday, um, uh, but standing up and saying nasty things about her helps him with his base. It's the price of a commercial. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Uh, lawsuits have for him always been a business tactic. Because he needed, he needs that because he's terrible at business. So delay, waiting the other person out, impoverishing the other person so they can't continue. It's what he does. It's not a surprise that he would continue to try to do that with criminal cases. Um, you know, it's because it's always worked for him before. And he's always gotten away with everything. Um it is much more importantly, though, an indictment of the entire system, which seems always to benefit the the wrongdoer, at least insofar as that wrongdoer is a very rich white man in America. Let me ask you another psychologically related question. The Republican Party just can't seem to quit him. Uh Many members of his cabinet have said this is wrong, but just as many members almost have said, I'll vote for him if he's the candidate. Um, McCarthy, you know, and the nut job wing of the party in the House, you know, they're they're out there defending him at every turn, including, you know, when he's like, you know, stealing nuclear secrets, you know, the kind of thing that basically once upon a time, you'd get 99.9% of the country to say that's bad, right? 
Um, it seems like kind of mass psychological pathology. You know, now maybe it's just self-interest. He's seen as powerful. They're going to kiss his ass till they don't think he's powerful. Or is there something more than that? I think among elected Republicans, it's mostly just a, a craven bid for illegitimate power. Uh, they they see the state of play. The base is not going to switch allegiances as long as Donald is in the game. Um, if Donald gets pushed out of the game unwillingly, he will destroy whoever the Republican nominee is if it's not him. Um, so I think most of them are on the McCarthy, uh, McConnell end of the spectrum. You know, this is the guy, nothing we could do about it. A lot of them would probably prefer it for him to ride off into the sunset, but that is going to be at a place in time of his own choosing, not theirs. So, um, they'll either mildly rebuke him or say nothing. Uh, and then as you say, vote for him, uh, if he's the nominee, and there is a smaller but still significant percentage of the party that just has just is all in with all of the horrible things he's done and stands for because they agree with him. You know, they think that people like him should be able to get away with anything, including treason, with impunity, just because he's going to advance their agenda, even if his only agenda is to save his own skin. I mean, because think think about this. He's running for president of the United States so he can, one, not be <laughs> convicted of treason against the country, and two, as a grift to make more money. I, I mean, it's, but there are obviously lots of people who are totally up for that, no matter how hypocritical it might be. The bigger concern is that, uh, you know, Republicans aren't being honest about it. They're, they are... Uh, acting as if he is just amazing and nothing he's done is wrong, which sends a horrible message to the electorate. So we now have tens of millions of Americans who are pro-Russia and anti-Ukrainian democracy, uh, who question the validity of NATO, uh, who question the sanctity of American elections, and who think that if you're the right person, it is totally cool to endanger the lives of Americans and American allies so you can make a buck by selling nuclear secrets, allegedly. That is going to take decades to undo, whether he runs, loses, or not. You have um, other relatives in this family. That's, yes, I do. Right? Um, some of them, Donald Jr., Eric, and so forth, they just, they're sticking with the program. It looks like Ivanka Trump is trying to pretend that she had nothing to do with this, that, you know, she was just passing through, trying to help the country, and has now moved on to the next thing. Um, and uh, I, I just... You you know the dynamic within this family. How is she able to get away with that and still be invited to Thanksgiving dinner? We we really do miss her moderating influence, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> 
Um, well, I don't, is she going to she, be? Uh, by the way, I think she, in some respects, is possibly the most gifted grifter of the bunch because yeah. she plays the same grift, but she at least has some people believing that, you know, it's good for them. It's, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah, she actually reminds me of my grandfather a little bit, which is not a compliment. Um, although she might take it as one, who knows? Um, yeah, I think it's very important to understand that every single relationship in my family, at least, you know, among them, is transactional. And Eric and Donnie know that they have no choice here. Like, what are they going to do? Who would, who would, what legitimate company would hire them and to do what exactly? So they're stuck. Everybody here knows upon which side their bread is buttered, right? Ivanka isn't getting as much out of this as she was putting into it. And she happens to be married to a legitimate, well, to a man who's from a legitimately wealthy family. I'm not trying to use the word legitimate, but I'm with well, you. I, I mean, they actually- <laughs> They're actually money. wealthy, right. Okay. How they got they wealthy, exactly. exactly. Yes, they, they certainly <laughs> didn't get the last $2 billion legitimately. You mean the Saudi, the, 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 the yeah. Saudi tip that he got for whatever it's worth? Yes. Exactly. Where's our investigation <laughs> into that? Please. Where is it? Um, where is it? I, I mean, seriously, where is it? Anyway, Mer- Merrick Garland doesn't want to appear partisan. Yes, so let's go after Hunter Biden then. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did. They spent five, yeah, four exactly. years going after Hunter Biden with an, yep. you know, an, a prosecutor who was independent could do whatever he wanted. He found yep. nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, so maybe they should actually look where there's something. It would be nice. It would also have been nice if they'd done it two years ago. But here we are, um, and. Listen, I I don't know. Um, I think Donald, for again, for his own self interested reasons, has been getting putting a good face on what could reasonably be seen as Ivanka's defection, um, because he has to, and he's also because <laughs> the family's been put through hell, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, it was terrible. I, I felt I mean, bad for Ivanka and Jared because. I think they only made like $600 million while they were in the White House or something like that. I mean, you know, to me, $6 million, six, it's all the same. But I mean, it's... Listen, at least they weren't selling paintings for a couple of months. You don't know. That's, you don't know what they yeah. were selling from the <laughs> That's White true. House. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, they... It's so obviously... To, and to anybody who has pretensions, and that's what they are, to be to being uh, re-embraced by polite society, the end of the road has come uh, in terms of having anything to do with Donald, um, even if you're his kid. So uh, yeah, so that's that's I think I'm pretty sure that's where Ivanka would be at at the moment, and um, she'll be fine. Well, that's, there's a there's a reckoning that may be coming. I want to talk about it. This is the point in the show where we say thanks to everybody in the general public for listening. We say, if you want to listen to the whole podcast, all of our podcasts, go to the DSRnetwork.com, click on membership, sign up for five bucks a month. That's really not that much. Um, and uh, and you get to hear so much more content from all of our podcasts, of which there are many, many each week. So 
go and do that. If you're a member, stand by because we'll be continuing in just one moment. 